You are listening to the Heavenly Chi podcast, episode number 18. Today we're talking with Guy Bennett about blocks to treatment. Hey everybody, I'm Fee Gitchen. And I'm Claire Pyers. Today we're talking with Guy Bennett again. Hi, Guy. And um, it's great to have you here. So this is part two that we're doing with Guy. And today we're discussing blocks to treatment from a five-element perspective. We spoke with Guy in episode 17 about five-element diagnostics. And he's joined us again this week to go into a more in-depth conversation. Guy is a five-element acupuncturist who has his clinic in Byron Bay, New South Wales, Australia. He runs seminars around Australia and New Zealand. You can find a lot of information on his website at www.fiveelement.com.au and that's five element with the number five. The Heavenly Chi podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and professional development. Show notes and continuing professional development resources are found at www.heavenlychipodcast.com. You can add Heavenly Chi podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook. All links are in the show notes, and we hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome back, Guy. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yes, it's great to have you back, and we're going to jump right in to discussing the important blocks to treatment from the five element um, techniques or school of thought with acupuncture. So we just want to start by defining what we mean by blocks to treatment. So my understanding of it is that some of these are not necessarily things that will prevent you from getting results, but they are blocks that you would work through as part of the procedures of five element process. That sounds pretty close to it. Right. Okay, so we'll jump right in and we'll start with the Possession and the Seven Dragons, which, if you ask me, definitely has the best name. <laughs> sure does, <laughs> doesn't it? So tell us about Possession and the Seven Dragons. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's important to go back to the beginnings of Chinese medicine. that really had its roots in shamanistic you know, thought. And um, even today, you know, in Korea, if you're sick, you will get a shaman over to your place. Um, and it... In the great leap forward in, a, in the um, middle 50s, Mao Zedong took a lot of this stuff out of acupuncture because he was trying to modernise Chinese thought, trying to get rid of the superstition in Chinese culture. So they went through acupuncture and took a lot of this stuff out. But some of this is still really important. So possession is something we call uh, is an extreme shen disturbance. So in TCM you may have a shen disturbance, this is an extreme shen disturbance. And the thing that's important about it, if someone's possessed, it's a complete block to treatment. So if someone's possessed, it's like their shen has disengaged from their physical body and all this rubbish has just got in in between and you're sticking needles into the body but the shen is just not present. So we do a treatment called the seven dragons and uh, as Nikki Bilton, my, one of my teachers said, uh, rooting shen. This is a treatment that I've used myself um, within the way that I treat, which is not all specifically five element. Um, but but the way that I approach it as well is I also see that someone with a fairly normal perspective on reality these days is 
quite disconnected as well. But the way that you described it just then, you've said, you know, this is more so for that type of extreme absence of the Shen. Can you talk to that at all? That's right. So this is not for someone who's disassociated or in their head or someone like that. This is a this is a fairly extreme thing, and you're probably only going to find one or maybe two a year in your practice. Um, so yes, it's 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 not you know someone who's really in their head, they're probably constitutionally earth or they're earth CF and they need grounding, but that's not possession. Okay. So with possession, there's a sense that you cannot reach the person. There's a part of them that's not really available. You look into their eyes, and they're not there. Now, it's different to look in their eyes and they're vacant. It's look in their eyes and it's, it's really like someone's got a little auric knife and cut a, cut a, cut a rectangle around their eyes and their eyes are missing a little bit energetically. Mm. Now, the person may hear voices or they may have extreme dreams. They sometimes even say they feel possessed. But you know how you've got the 28 pulse qualities? Well, in the two-day seminar we, uh, we run, we like to muck around with a couple of extra ones, and the 29th pulse quality is weird. <laughs> There's something just weird with the pulses. It's like this honey or shaving cream over them, you know? But this, the person in the room, there's something weird about what they're saying. There's something weird in the room. Something doesn't feel great. And it is quite an extreme thing. I remember a couple of years ago, I had a quiet, um, well, teaching an advanced course and everyone brought clients in for us to treat on the Sunday afternoon. And we were treating this guy and I thought I'd done a really nice treatment on him. And, you know, I came back and I took the pulses with the, the, the other practitioners and I just said, something's just not right, you know. And he had this massive tattoo, massive, where he had a dragon that the head came over his shoulder, if you can imagine this, and the body went down his side and the tail went down to his ankle. Wow. Wow. And right at the hip, he had this little wizard with a, like a, a, a whip being like a lion tamer. And I said to the guy, I said, oh, who's the wizard? And he said, ah, that's the wizard. He lives inside me. And we went, okay, um, are you in a rush? Hmm. And uh, we did the seven dragon treatment, which we'll explain a little bit later. And he texted us about two hours later in, in this great Australian way. I don't know what you've bloody done to me, mate, but I'm completely different. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So possession can come from three basic things. It can come from internal, you know, like death in the family, mouth of, loss of a spouse, like a bad divorce, drug or alcohol use. Um, other addictions, sexual abuse. They come from external things like accidents or, you know, extreme pathogens. I remember I saw a guy in Brisbane one day and um, I was in the middle of um, that main mall and all these buses are waiting there and this guy, he was he was a surfy, obviously, and his hair was just, you know, wire and he was just so sunburnt and you just you got this guy just surfs all the time and he turned around and he looked at me and it was like looking at a robot. I went, you're possessed. And it was obviously from just being out in so much wind and so much, you know, so external pathogens like wind, damp, cold and heat. Mm. Um, it's, you know, like cults, Ouija boards, not saying that there's anything wrong with that per se, but if someone's Zhong Qi, someone's upright Qi is not well, um, 
what happens is uh, the Chinese say way spirits can get in and actually, you know, be in between their shen and their body. Yeah, well, and there are also people out there willingly inviting spirits to come in and come through them too. Mm. But again, if their zhong qi is strong, they're only going to attract, you know, higher, higher vibration spirits. But if they're, you know, mucked up from sexual abuse or drug addiction mm. or, you know, cults or whatever, you know, their, their upright qi is not strong and this possession can happen. Is this the same thing that um, Sun Sun Yao talks about when he was, you know, when he talks about the ghost points, is this the same sort of um, possession or no. is this different? I think as far as I understand, ghost points are more for psychiatric treatment. You know, as much as I understand, in fact, I don't really know, but all I know about the ghost points is one of the points is underneath the tongue and I'd hate to try to put a needle underneath the tongue of someone who's possessed. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, possession can be right as well. Yeah. You know, it's not, they're not just, you know, the head spinning and pea soup going anywhere. It's just an extreme shen disturbance. And again, there's something just not, like the treatments aren't working. They're not moving forward. You know, you've done really nice treatments, but nothing's changing. Something's strange. Something's weird. Mm. You know, something's just not right. It's a sense with inside you. So it's not necessarily an overt mental illness presentation. It might be that they uh, sort of come... Normal. They come across okay, but when you look into the eyes, it's like they're not there. Mm. And there's that absence. And you referred to shamanism. My background is with shamanic healing. And, um, I don't know that. Mm. So, you know, this would also be in the realm of soul retrieval. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, again, I don't know enough about soul retrieval to say. Yeah. Well, it, it's when someone's shen is hanging out elsewhere because it's more comfortable than being in their body and in their life. Yeah. So what we do with someone like this is we root the Shen back into the body. It's quite a physical treatment. So the seven dragons, and just for anyone who knows any of the points that we mentioned today that you don't get, they're all on the website, so don't feel you have to run around and write things down. But the seven dragons are Ren 15. It's actually the master point of Ren 15, which is a teardrop underneath Ren 15. So you find Ren 15, imagine a teardrop, and it's just, you know, maybe two millimetres underneath. Stomach 25, right, left. Stomach 32, right, left. Stomach 41, right, left. And what you do is you mark out the points so with the pen, so you don't just kind of find them as you go. And then you quite quickly go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now you go down and you find dirt sheet and then you go just slightly deeper. Mm. Like you're trying to root this energy back into the body. Now, the needles have this sense when they're in the body of being at attention. Now, if the body, if the needle's kind of hanging out and just, you know, chilling, it's not a dragon. Dragons are at attention. You know, these seven dragons are running around and eating the seven demons. So once you've got the seven needles in and you've gone a little bit deeper than dirty, you go around and just give them each one a hint of sedation, just maybe a quarter of a turn, nearly like you're locking this back. Leave the needles in for 20 minutes. Minimum, maybe up to an hour, depends. And you'll start to see a sense of the room changes, the person changes. I kind of, I might leave them for 10 minutes because we never really leave clients, but for this we do. And come back and just say, just have a look in my eyes. Oh yeah, okay, we're going well. We'll just leave that a little bit longer. And after about 20 minutes, it, it, 
the pulses just feel clearer. And do you have people ever react to that in a sense of like, oh, can you take these out? I've got to get out of here. I can't do, you know, this is like it's uncomfortable for them or do they tend to feel better from early on within that process? Yes, I think it's a real it's a real reintegration, so they do feel comfortable, you know. And sometimes people may cry gently, um, you know, maybe some emotional release, but generally people just lie there and go, oh, that's better, mm. you know. So those are the internal dragons. Mm-hmm. And um, there's the, the external dragons too. Yes, and can you, pretty can you... much the first time you do the, uh, a possession on someone, you will do the internal dragons. We don't often do the external dragons. That difference between different acupuncturists. But let's just keep it to the internal dragons for today. Okay. But the external ones are on the website if you need them. And, you, know, you may use them if you feel that the... One, the internal dragons had worked, or if you feel it's predominantly come from an external source. I mean, I had a friend in London, and uh, he um, ran a record company, and the, and they gave him an Aston Martin when he joined the record company. He was an Aston Martin, and you know they're about three and a half, three fifty thousand dollars. And he came in one day, and I said, "Mate, something's wrong. Are you okay?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." I go, no, no, something's wrong. I said, no, I'm okay. He said, okay, cool. He went, oh, I crashed the car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was possessed. Mm. The shock of crashing the car was enough for that shen disturbance. And uh, we did the internal dragons and he felt so much better. Well, actually, he cried his heart out. Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. You know? So any other questions on possession? And again, just realise that, I mean, over my years of treating, uh, of training acupuncturists, so I've probably trained 500 acupuncturists in Australia, um, I've had five of those possessed. Mm. And they're out there treating, still functioning. You know, sometimes you see them on the television and go, there's one, yeah, they're possessed, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you know, they, you do still survive, it's just not a great way to and so I have another question on the possession. Then you may have, obviously, this can be a result of shock and things. So it could be someone where it may not be where you're starting with the treatment. It might be something that occurs to them after you've known them for a while or be treating them for a while. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, okay. And I guess more so if you've been treating them for a while and then they come in one week and, and they're totally different than normal or, you know, as you're saying with that patient, you're like, what's going on with you today, mate? And, yeah, sure enough, he's crashed the car and crashed the Aston Martin. That's oh, just, that would be so stressful in that city. Well, we hope that your treatment's done really nice work on them and their zhong chi is much stronger, so crashing the Aston Martin wouldn't actually bring about that, let's say. Okay. Well, uh, how about um, moving on to another block then? Fantastic. Well, another one that we, we do in Fire on an acupuncture is something called entry-exit blocks, and these are very channel-level blocks. So you know you've got the flow of the fire elements that moves from fire to earth, you know, etc. called the Shen cycle, and then the co-cycle that flows from controlling from fire to metal, etc. There's another main energy flow that flows through the channels following the 24-hour clock. And this is the energy that rides in lung and goes to colon, to stomach, to spleen, to 
the heart, small intestine, bladder, kidney, are protected, three eater, gallbladder, and liver. And what we find in, um, as part of our lineage, let's say, is we get blocks between the element pairs. Now, these can be felt easily on the pulses. So, let's say, for example, you're, you're taking someone's pulse and we're talking about volume here, just for a moment. So the bladder, uh, so the um, gallbladder and liver is quite strong, and the lung and large intestine is really empty. So imagine a dam. So all the energy is sitting in gallbladder and liver as a pair, and nothing's getting through on a channel level to the large intestine and lung. So what we do is we do the X point of liver liver 14, and the entry point of lung, lung 1, and undo that dam. And what we find is the large, uh, the gallbladder pair come down, lung and large intestine come up, and they even out. So for five element acupuncture, there's three parts to treatment. We, we check the blocks, we do spirit points, we do command points. So by the first third of the treatment, we expect to have 12 fairly even and you just mentioned there the you know the entry exit pair of the liver and lung and just from pulse taking i'm hazarding a guess that that would be one of the most common blocks yes and probably that and um stomach spleen heart small intestine Mm -hmm. yeah so think about it Uh, you know the 28 pulse qualities what would be some of the pulse qualities that the empty side of, let's say, lung and large intestine? What would you feel on the lung and large intestine pulse, um, quality-wise? Sometimes you'd feel it'd be quite thready, or yeah. um, sometimes it can be. Well, I guess some if, you, if they've got an external attack, it could be superficial, mm-hmm. like if they're coming down with a cold or something. Yeah, so the, the, or main, the, main is like the, the minor side quite often is floating or sinking, that drum skin, dankless, mm. soft, soggy, hidden, or fine. That can be the minor side of an entry exit block, while the plus side will be like tight or wiry, big, bowstring, or stirring out of the 28 qualities. So quite often, by the first third of the treatment, a lot of those 28 pulse qualities have disappeared from other pulses. And what about the needling techniques then for the entry-exit blocks? Well, in five element, we uh, very, very seldom leave needles in. So everything is um, inserted 180 degrees clockwise and then uh, withdrawn. So in, turn, out. Okay, so you do your liver 14 in, turn out, and then yep. your lung 1. Lung in, 1 turn in, out. turn out. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when, um, you know, it's reminding me because there's quite often that I'll feel a patient's pulse and, you know, in that um, the position, of, like the heart position, I do find myself from time to time writing, you know, the heart pulse is absent. Yep. Um, and I guess what I'm feeling there is, Possibly spleen heart block. Spleen heart block. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, you know, like in TCM, where you leave needles in, where you try to get rid of 
you know, I'll say rebellious liberty or something like that, you know, or something like that. You know, you, you're putting in all gates or something like that. Well, you can leave the needles in for 20 minutes trying to drain that meridian, or you can just unblock it, and all that stuff disappears anyhow. In some ways, sometimes it's a much more effective way than actually leaving the needles in to get rid of certain pathogens. Mm. And headaches, you know, anyone has got a headache, it's usually got a, a little lung or a um, three-hitter gallbladder block. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. It's, it's definitely food for thought because I, I definitely feel, if we're getting back to that spleen-heart block, I know that I've felt, I, I distinguish it. I guess, you know, everyone sort of does their own thing when they're in practice. And, but um, <laughs> I, I feel when there's that heart pulse is really either, either very weak or absent, and I'll often just in the moment that I'm feeling the pulse, I'll ask, you know, I'll ask about their... You know, if they've got a dog or if they've got kids, are they married, are they going on a holiday soon? And, um, and that to me is diagnostic if, that, if the pulse picks up in response to them thinking about something that, you know, brings joy to them, then that's not as serious to me, that, you know, as if I ask them about it and then their pulse doesn't change and then I think, wow, the heart's really not in a good way. So I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to see how those observations continue over the next um, few months because I'm going to start doing this. That's great. Yeah, I, I can say in the last few years I've brought back some of my awareness of the entry-exit blocks and definitely have used the liver-lung and the spleen-heart one um, from time to time when it pops up and it can make such a big difference. Mm. It's just, yeah, it is quite fast. And also once, once you've cleared these entry-exit blocks, just drops down onto the table. It's like they're resistant, they start to let go, mm. and in that, you're really facilitating their emotional growth. It's really like, you know, what was behind that block starts to actually come, you know, that you may undo a spleen hard block, and next week they'll start to come in and talk about some of that sadness or some of that stuff that's happening for them, because that's starting to move. You're giving the capacity to drop into some of that emotional stuff. Mm. I'd kind of forgotten about them for for a while, um, you know, because I just had this brief interaction with learning the basics of five element, and then just had it in the background. For, and um, and I remember the first patient when I thought, what can I do with this person, you know? And um, and they were having an affair with someone, and it was really weighing on them the conflict with what was happening because they were married. And I ended up doing the spleen heart block because of the pulses. Mm-hmm. And within a week or two, they came in and the affair was over and everything had changed. And then the person they were having the affair with started coming in for treatment as well and because everything just shifted then. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. How much, um, how much do you, Guy, how much do you kind of give patients um, – I guess some some advice or some caution around what might come up for them after treatment. In a way, like do you do you give them any guidance at all, or do you? Because I sometimes feel like I don't want to create an experience for them that's not otherwise going to come, but I also want to provide some some kind of reassurance for them ahead of time that they might expect something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, five elements for me at least is so much about giving the person more capacity to feel the five main emotions. 
you know, to start to make friends with their anger, to make friends with the sadness, you know, the joy, you know, the fear. Um, so generally, as they start to grow or come back and develop, those emotions do start to move a lot more than normal. And, you know, the gorgeous thing is because their spirit's stronger, they can manage that. So sometimes I might say, well, look, you know, maybe a little bit of anger will come up. You know, I'll go, oh, what are we, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday? Maybe Friday you start to feel a little bit of anger. If you do, we just want you to breathe into it and just kind of let it be there. You don't have to be angry at anybody per se. And just kind of set that up a little bit. And sometimes I say, yeah, all right, I was really angry. Oh, you know, all right, no, no, it wasn't much. I went, okay, good. Depends on the client, doesn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, sometimes <clears throat> it's better not to give them the information because you just want them to have their own experience. Mm. Yes, that's right. Well, you know, one thing alternate medicine practitioners are very good at is being controlling. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> the other thing about entering the box is a fantastic way of clearing some physical symptoms. You know, stuff that people have had for years. So sometimes that stuff just blocked up behind these entry exit blocks. So, you know, I had a guy came in and uh, last week, and he, you know, the ones that come in with all their X-rays and their reports, and you know, it's just like this and that, and you want to leave that. And he just had two entry exit blocks, and he's, he's his neck that had been sore for like two years just started to let go. It didn't get better, but it let go. And, you know, once the energy's flowing back into that, that's going to start getting better, you know? Mm. So, you know, extra block can be really good for physical stuff as well. Yes, yes. I've definitely um, found them quite good for that kind of tension in the body and in the torso. Mm. Yeah. Which is just defence, isn't it? You know, just us resisting their emotional reality. So we give them capacity to feel that stuff and let it go. Feel mm. that stuff, let it go, and that's it, growth. Mm. Which brings us to another block, if I may move on, which has a fantastic name. Let's yeah. have a, a look at the aggressive energy. Yeah, fantastic. So aggressive energy is something that we quite often, J.R. Rosley, um found this in a Japanese style of acupuncture study because he studied quite a few different styles over the years. Same as possession, it wasn't, it didn't come from the same lineage that the five element constitutional stuff came. He found that in another Japanese style, I think it was called the, the, the style of the kings. And aggressive energy is also from another Japanese style. But aggressive energy, the closest we can get for it in modern Chinese acupuncture is Shia Chi or evil Chi as opposed to Jing Qi, healthy Qi. So it's, it's a kind of a polluted Qi that kind of backs up sometimes in the uh, meridians. So what we tend to do is we tend to test for aggressive energy on the first treatment and do a really quick test. And in that, if there is an AE or aggressive energy, we clear it. So can we go through the, the points that you use for that? They're down the back shoe, aren't they? Yes. So basically what we do is we get the client sitting up, and there's a reason for that, and we mark out the yin back shoe points, the lung, pericardium, liver, spleen, kidney, not the heart, bilaterally, and then we pop the needles in really, really shallow. So they're sitting up. If you can imagine this patient sitting up and the needle's kind of hanging off the back, and so it's trying to pull the chi out of the meridians. So what happens 
sometimes that's just pathological heat, but sometimes you get quite a dark crimson look to it, and that's aggressive energy. There's quite a difference between heat and aggressive energy. So you, you leave them in, so after about five minutes, you've just got these, these 10 needles sitting in, and only two of them have gone crimson. The other five are a bit, a bit warm or something, and just you pop those needles out because they don't need to be doing anything, and just sit there with the last two needles in until that clears. And quite often the patients may just cry very gently or just get this really beautiful, relaxed feeling. And it's just a nice way of clearing the meridians before you start, because in five element, we're obviously we transfer along the Shen cycle, the co-cycle. And if you've got uh, aggressive energy on one of the meridians, you can transfer it around. So J.R. Worsley used to say, we do this on the first treatment just to clear that up. Mm. Especially for people doing chemo, of all the people mm. I've treated, people doing chemo really do get a lot out of having AE done. Wow, that's really insightful. How I've I've done a few of these treatments over the years, mm-hmm. and I've had instances where it's taken a long time for for that redness to go. How long is a reasonable amount of time? Do you think? How long is a long time? Well, like the longest was mm-hmm. probably the patient had to go. It was like an hour and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. That was um, that. You you may be working with skin reaction there as well. Mm-hmm. So you may have cleared heat, or you may have had some AE, but the actual needle being in there is actually creating a skin reaction. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is when we put the ten needles in, we put three test needles roughly around the back. Yeah. And if we get the same big red mark on the the lung, you know, back shoe point as we do on the test needle. We go, it's just skin reaction. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, I guess what, I'm, what I've found is that most of the time it does clear within a fairly short period of time and I've done the test, the test needles or, you know, there's been only one or two that has stayed red and the rest have all sort of cleared off. So, yeah. ma- so there's perhaps something that I'm missing maybe. Yeah, it's hard to tell without the mm. client. Is, oh, yeah, is there a way that you can tell as well from the way the patient presents that they're going to have the aggressive energy? No, not really. Uh, so classically what JL would say is no, you can't. You can only tell by testing. Sometimes the pulses may be a bit chaotic or the client may be a little chaotic. But, you know, generally we test and the way we treat and test at the same moment. It's definitely a good one for anyone that hasn't tried that one. It's worth looking into. It's really helpful. Yes, and possibly an hour and a half is too long. <laughs> you might be doing it wrong if it's taking that long. Yeah, after 20 minutes, I'd probably take them out unless you've got really deep crimson and then, you know, the, the person's not very well if they've got that much AE. It might um, be a different block that you have to work with if that's, yeah. if that's mm-hmm. what's going on. Right. So, and so, what about spirit level blocks? Yes. So, sometimes somebody's spirit is so beaten up. You know, sometimes people have gone through so much bad times or so much stuff that you know, good TCM or good fire element or good Japanese acupuncture still just isn't really doing it. It's kind of like the Shen is so 
done over that you have to do some of the final spirit points to bring them back. And an example would be Kidney 24, which is known as the spirit burial ground. And the spirit burial ground is where you go to to resurrect the person, to bring them back to life. It's feeling like you see their eyes are a bit dead or a bit hollow, and you do Kidney 24, and it's like their eyes come straight back. It's like they come back into, their eyes come forward. You can actually see the shen shining out of their eyes again. Another one that's good like that is Kidney 25, Spirit Storehouse. So you've done the kidneys, uh, you know, the Spirit Burial Ground, and they're back now. You have to bring them something to eat, so you take them to the Spirit Storehouse. <laughs> that's oh, such okay. a great description. Well, the, 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 um, the names of the points are incredibly important for fire and acupuncturists. You know, we use the names um, as part of our, you know, uh, receive fullness is a beautiful point for earth people, you know, who are empty inside, you know. Um, bright and clear is really good for wood element people who can't see their way forward, you know. We use the names and, and the spirits of those points to actually help the people ch- change and grow. Can you, can you tell us what points they are, that um, earth point and the wood point you just mentioned? No, no, only because I'm just on the spot. Um, <laughs> That's all right, because I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lovely blue book, a little blue book that's got all of the uh, five element um, point descriptions. Yeah, aren't they gorgeous? Oh, it's just, it's like reading poetry. I love, I love the five element spirit point descriptions. And they're gorgeous. You know, J.R. Rosemary used to say, you keep the spirit point in mind as you're needling, and that brings, you know, um, some of the points, the little notes on it says, think of sunshine when you're doing, um, right, um, oh, God. So the name is again. Oh, I'm not going to remember. But anyhow, a couple other spirit points that are really good is the outer back shoe of the gallbladder. Spiritual soul gate. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly strong point for bringing the spirit back to life. It's one of the strongest spirit points on the body. You know, when you get a client and they might say, look, you know, I wasn't going to do this, but, you know, this week I just felt like jumping under a tram. You know, that sense of hope that is part of the, the wood element, is that they're just in so much hopelessness. You know, spiritual soul gate brings them back, brings that hope back, gives them hope, gives them hope for the future. You know? The wood element is the element of spring, you know, it's the energy that pushes the grass through the snow, it's the energy that brings hope for nature, and we need that same hope, so spiritual um, soul gate is a beautiful point for that. Mm. I think also, you know, the Shen is trusting, entrusting the gallbladder with its most important decisions, and so if it's about to decide to throw itself under a a train, then... Not um, doing very well. Yeah, that's not really a great decision in a lot of cases. Mm, yes. And uh, the outer back shoe of lung and heart, soul door and spirit hall. Beautiful points. So maybe those five points are, are really important points that you get a client and you've done a couple of treatments and just you don't feel like you're really getting the fullness of your treatment. Maybe you need to treat the spirit at quite a deep level. And uh, again, we use a lot of direct moxa, like moxa on the actual point, as opposed to we don't 
don't think about moxa as heat. We think about it more as chi reinforcing. And uh, you know, moxa on those points can really you know, turn a treatment around. I remember when I first found all these descriptions uh, within all the the Worsley School classical notes on the Yin Yang House website and especially for the spirit points of the kidney channel. And, you know, we didn't learn this about the kidney channel in at university, but I remember definitely there was emphasis on the, the spirit back shoe points. But I would just encourage any listeners out there to go and really learn more about the, the upper kidney channel points there on the chest. They're really amazing and, and the descriptions of them are just so beautiful, as you say. Well, think about a point called the spirit burial ground, you mm. know. So much, so much that could happen at that point. Mm. So much. I love the upper kidney points. I think I do them nearly all the time. Any student who comes and does observation at... Um, that comes and does observation with me will will know the upper kidney points by the time they've finished their time. <laughs> well, we, we, maybe we can do a podcast on some of the nice spirit points of the body. Oh, wouldn't it just be wonderful? We'd just be mm. sitting here and dreamily, <laughs> dreamily imagining all these, you know, images and scenes of what we're creating with the uh, with the acupuncture. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Thank you. Are there any other blocks that you want to mention today? I think that's probably enough for one podcast. Yes, I agree. It's definitely a pleasure to talk to you, Guy. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you letting me come on and talk about this beautiful medicine I love so much. Yeah. And, you know, just I'd like to really encourage people as well as myself, every time I interact with five-element acupuncture, I really feel how beautiful it is and that, you know, at some point I'm going to delve deeper into it. So it's a really good one to look into as well for people that want to get a better understanding of what we're doing with treating the Shen. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you'd like to share your insights and your and your experiences with Five Element Acupuncture, you can join us on the Facebook page where we can continue the discussion. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for coming today, Guy. Thanks again. Okay, take care, everybody. Bye for now. Bye.